Well, again, good morning and welcome to the Olathe campus of Christ Community. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you've been, if you've been with us uh, at all these past several weeks, uh, we've sort of been living together in the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, use your, use your imagination. That's where we've been. We've been studying these early chapters of Genesis for the last, uh, you know, five or six weeks uh, together. And we've seen in this garden, like, again, imagine yourself living there. We've seen that God, God made a good world full of beauty and meaning, a temple for his presence to be with us. And he made us humans in his own image to, to be like him. I mean, how, how do you like living there so far? It's not bad, right? I mean, this is, this is what we were made for. This is what ought to be as we think about our world. This is why we're spending so much time in these first couple of chapters of Genesis. It shows us what, what should be had we not gone down these paths towards, towards sin, right, and brokenness. It's pretty great. And let's, let's say you're, you're there. Again, use your imagination. And, you know, every day you discover something new about yourself, about the world, about God. And today, it's bound to happen eventually, you just can't help but notice, you start to look down, like, you have a body. And you're naked. Now, the naked part, that's, it's not so much, that's not a big deal, because it's, it's the garden, right? There's no shame there yet. It's very clear that they're naked and, and unashamed. But like for us, okay, we, we don't live there. We've been playing make-believe, right? We live here now. And so I, I just want you to think about this for a moment. God decided to give you a body, the one you're wearing right now. How do you feel about that? I mean, this, this thing that I, I can't even separate from me, it's, it's God's idea. And it's kind of weird, isn't it? And, and sort of humiliating. I mean, how needy are we? You have to feed it and water it. You got you to gotta have rest and, you know, deodorants. Like, it's kind of a, like, it doesn't do what he wants to do. It belches. It gets oh so flabby, Right? I mean, this, this thing, like next, I'm serious here, okay? Next time you stand in front of a mirror naked or sit on a toilet, remind yourself, this was God's idea. <laughs> Puberty, sex, male and female, he created them. God's idea. I mean, if you ever wondered if he had a sense of humor, right? This has got to be proof, right? And the reality is, like, we laugh at this, and yet at the same time, man, we've made a mess of this, haven't we? Like, like for, for many of us here, like, some of us uh, wonder if our bodies matter at all, if they even count for anything. Others of us are obsessed with constantly trying to make them perfect or better. Uh, for some, we've, we've abused or exploited others physically, or we've been the recipients of such abuse. Or like, you know, some of us, like, we don't, we don't like our bodies. Or, or at the very least, like, we see them, even as Christians, we see them simply as a, as a necessary evil at best. And for some of us, we feel deep shame and regret, even disappointment about our maleness or femaleness. And some of us perhaps feel like we're trapped in the wrong body altogether. Man, we are broken, aren't we? 
Not, not just inside, right? But everything now. And yet, as we look back into the garden and the way things ought to be, right, the way God created and designed us to live prior to sin, if you, as we look back, if you take just one thing with you this morning, like what, I, what I want us all to hear clearly in this moment is that your body is not a mistake. Your body is not a mistake. It's broken. How you experience it is broken. But you are not a mistake. Turn to Genesis 1 and 2 if you haven't already. I promise eventually we're going to get out of Genesis 1 and 2. Um, there's just a lot here, right? But, but turn there, and male and female, he created them. That's, that's our, our title this morning. And you might, you might see part one, you're like, oh boy. Uh, this is a gift that just keeps on giving, right? Uh, and yes, it is. So we're going to do two, two weeks on this because there's, just, there's so much here in the text for us. And frankly, there's just so much confusion, hurt, shame, disappointment in our culture, in our world, right? When we come to these, these subjects. And so today we're going to focus primarily on our physicality as male and female. And next week we'll talk more specifically about sexuality. Aren't you glad you came to church? Huh? It's going to be fun, isn't it? But actually, I mean, seriously, I'm really glad you're here today because we are so desperate for better answers than what our world has, aren't we? And we're we're just, we're such a mess when it comes to these things. And and this issue is so important. And and frankly, it's not theory that we're talking about, right? This is intimately personal for every one of us. It's not just theory. This This is part of who we are. And there's not a person in this room who doesn't carry baggage, when it comes to this subject. Some of us a whole lot, right? And we're lousy at it, culturally. And what I think is so interesting as we come to these, these subjects, like, we think we're so progressive as a culture, don't we? We, we finally shun these old, ancient principles, and we put them aside, and, and, I, and I, I, I get that. We've done that culturally, and, and you may not like what the Bible says about gender and sex. I wouldn't blame you, Right? But at the very least, like, look at our culture. Do you, do you really think we've arrived? We're such a mess. Like, there's, there's so much abuse, so much shame, so much confusion when it comes to these things. Maybe, just maybe, maybe God got it right. And maybe these ancient words from so long ago, maybe they're the words that we need so desperately. We need God to show us a better way. So let me, let me pray for us, and we'll jump into this, this subject this morning. Let's, we need his help. God, oh God, we need your help. We need it every morning, but I feel it uh, uniquely this morning. Just with the complexity of this topic and the way it is so intimately connected to each one of us here. And so God, I pray that you'd give me grace and truth and help me to walk that line carefully and sensitively in a way that honors and brings glory to you. We need your help. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> your body is not a mistake. And there are five things. I know, usually it's just three, right? But it's five things that we're going to try to unpack uh, this morning. So we got we to come on. We got to keep going. So, okay, first, first, you can't, you can't miss this from, from the story of Genesis. We are on purpose. Okay, we, we've talked about this. Hopefully, it's, it's not a surprise at this point. But even specifically, it's not an accident that God gave you a body. 
In fact, you don't just have a body, you are a body. Even as you are a soul. Like you, you and I, we are material and immaterial combined together to make a human. And you can't, you can't separate where your soul ends and your body begins, right? We're just, we're, it's all sort of locked up together. In Genesis 2, verse, verse 7, so we're going to start, start there and we'll kind of we'll jump around just a tiny bit. But I love, I love what it says in chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And so do you, do you see it there? Physical and non-physical, right? Right out of the gate, right? Dust of the ground. That's, that's, that's what we're made of, right? But it's not all we're made of. We also contain the breath of God. And God calls us, as his creatures, very good. And yet I, I think, though, for, for many Christians, I think we've lost this because we're... Uh, we, we kind of disregard um, the physical. Like God only cares about the immaterial insides, right? Our heart, our soul, our spirit, or however you want to think about those things. And, and the physical, it's like, it's just a necessary evil at, at best. But the reality is like, God made us both from day one. Both dust and breath intertwined together to make one human. And your body matters. God gave you a body. Your body, it's a gift. It's not a burden to escape, a problem to fix, or even just a tool to be used. It's a gift. I mean, when's the last time you thanked God for your body? I mean, we we sometimes forget, don't we, that when we care well for our bodies, we care well for our souls, don't we? I mean, that's how interconnected we are. I mean, just an example. This is so easy. Like, I'm a better Christian when I'm rested. Just, I mean, ask my, ask my family, right? Like, when I, when I get a good night's sleep and I've got food in my belly, like, my soul is affected by those things, right? Because we're, we're whole creatures. It's how we're designed. And your body matters to Jesus. And, and for those of you who obsess about your bodies... It's not thin enough, ripped enough, attractive enough. God gave it to you, and it is good. You don't have to bow to our culture's expectations of beauty because God, the God of the universe, the one who made you, already calls you beautiful because he made you on purpose. That's the first thing. Just understand this, this physical is on purpose, and it's good. Second, second, we are glorious together. Glorious together. Because not only, not only did God make us on purpose, he made us different on purpose. We're not, we're not generic humans, bland and indistinct. No, we are male and female. And the fact that this is mentioned, even in the first chapter of Genesis, implies that it is, it is a central part of human personhood. And so go back now to chapter 127, right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Different and distinct, and yet equally in the image of God. And this, this, is, this is glorious. You see, God is neither male nor female, right? right? God the Father, neither, neither male nor, nor female. 
And yet, in order to reflect his image, he makes us male and female. Why? Well, hang with me. You see, we, we as Christians, we believe in a triune God, right? The, the Trinity. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he's, he's one God, so he's the same within himself, and yet three distinct persons all at, this, all at the same time. And so, so he's same and he's other, all, all within himself. I know, hang with me. Okay, this, I'm going somewhere with this. And so how does, how does God make finite creatures in his own image to be same other? Because he's same other. He makes us male and female. Same in dignity, worth, equality, with dominion and glory, we're the same. Which, if you think about it, like, would have been radically different from all the other cultures surrounding the Israelites when Moses wrote these things, right? They wouldn't have said men and women are the same. But God clearly puts us on the same playing field together. And yet, it's also radically different from what our culture would say. Because we're not just the same. We're male and female. And there are distinct ways, maleness reflects the image of God. In distinct ways, femaleness reflects the image of God. Which means we need one another. I mean, yes, individually we reflect God's image, but yet together, male and female, we reflect it more. Because God is both same and he's other. And so our gender matters to God. And Jesus, he picks up on this in the New Testament, right? He quotes these same verses as he talks about humanity created as male and female. And that he did it on purpose. And so when's the last time you thanked God for making you male or female? I'm not talking about thanking him for all the stereotypes or abuse. We'll talk about those in a moment. Or maybe, maybe you feel uncomfortable or confused in your own skin. Again, I'm not minimizing that. We'll get there. We'll talk about that. But before we do, like a little bit, a sigh of relief. God made you on purpose. Your body is not a mistake. Uniquely and distinctly beautiful, male and female. And we are glorious together. And, third, we are better together. Because not only, not only do we need each other to reflect God's image, we also need each other to fulfill our purpose on earth. Seriously. So you see, chapter one, kind of as a review, remember chapter one and two, they, they kind of tell very similar stories, but in different ways. So chapter one is kind of the big picture, um, and yet, yeah, big picture, and the uh, you know, we're given our job description in chapter one. Uh, it's made in God's image. It says, says all that. And, you know, we're to, called to join God in making the world flourish, basically. Uh, but then chapter two kind of retells much of that and kind of zeroes in on the, on the specifics. And, and when we get there in the garden, Adam's got all this work to do. And he's alone. Imagine trying to rule and garden the world alone. And so verse 18, chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper 
fit for him. Now, up, up to this point in the garden, everything has been good. And it's, it's said that over and over. It's good, it's good, it's good. And then all of a sudden, like, this should, this should jar us a little bit. Okay, wait a second. What's not good? It's not good that Adam's alone. And typically, I think when we read this passage, we put all the emphasis on marriage and community. And that's part of it. And we'll get there, right? That's part of what's happening in this. And yet the entire context of chapter 2 in particular is Adam's work in the garden. That he can't do it by himself. It's too much. Even the choice of the word that, that is used here, that God makes him a helper. How do you feel about that, women? A helper? You like that? Okay, now lest you, lest you think that term is demeaning, okay, hear me, okay? Men maybe especially, you hear me. Um, like you think it's demeaning, like you, women, you, you just exist as a man's assistant. That's your role in the career. No, no, okay? That, that's not, we've already said, like chapter one, made it, ref, you reflect God's image equal to any man, okay? And that, that word helper actually, it's used throughout the Old Testament mostly to refer to God. God is our helper. And it's actually used primarily as a, like a military term. So it's like he's our helper, he's our defender, our rescuer, our hero, right? It's not demeaning, this term. I mean, God is our helper. And he makes a helper for humanity. In fact, I mean, that means, like, it's not demeaning. It means, if, like, if anything, women, I you should be able to say to any man in this room, you couldn't fulfill your purpose on earth without me. Serious? That's what's going on here. And vice versa. And he even specifies that it's a helper fit for him. Which literally there in the Hebrew means a helper as opposite him. So not a clone, not a competitor, certainly not a, a slave, right? Rather, it's two distinct humans made to be different, made to complement one another, to do the big job that God has called us to do on planet Earth. I was at a conference this past week uh, with Trilla Newbill. She writes, so often we can look for a certain role and miss the certain need. Although there are differences between men and women, the call to be active in using our gifts is for everyone. You see what she's saying? We get so hung up on the distinctions that we make, we forget sometimes that there's real work to be done. So listen, church, specifically first women, listen, okay, you have something every man in this room needs to reflect God's image and to rule and garden this world. And men, every, like you, you need the women in your life. And you have something as well to contribute, right? You also, they need you in order to reflect God's image and to rule and garden this world. Just imagine for a moment if that's how we actually saw each other. As absolutely necessary to the mission that God has given us on planet Earth. That you, you truly cannot do it alone. And what, what would that change to your, your marriage? Your friendships? Like what, would, what would be different at school or at work? In your small group? Listen, church... I am a better human and certainly a better Christian 
because of the relationships, the friendships I have with women that impact me. And we're, we're a better church, I think, a healthier church, because roughly here about half of our staff, half are women and half are, are men. We need one another. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the world with just men? Ugh, like the smell alone, right? Like, or, or, okay, or just women, right? Like imagine that, or imagine a church with just one. Or your office, or wherever, wherever you go to work. Like imagine, it's... It's not good to be alone. And the distinct responsibilities God has given us are meant to be celebrated, not shunned. To complement, not compete. We're the same, but praise God, we're not the same. Instead, we're better together. You see, again, their culture, back then, as Moses is writing these words, their culture would have been absolutely repulsed at the idea that men and women are the same. We have no category for that, like no way, right? And similarly, our culture is fairly repulsed at the idea that there's distinction, that we're, we're the same, but we're not the same. Like we, we don't have a category for that. And that's what's so interesting. Like the Bible, like if it's truly God speaking, it's gonna offend everybody at some point, right? Because it's, it's outside of culture. It offended them and it, it offends us. But the reality is we have so much to learn from what God has to say. And the fact that God made us male and female is not something to run from, to minimize, or be embarrassed by. It's something to thank him for. And so, men, when's the last time you thanked God for the women in your life? I truly thanked him for the ways in which they help you fulfill what God has called you to do. And, and women, when's the last time you, you thank God for the, the men in your life? It's not a mistake. And yet I know what some of you are thinking. Because <laughs> I'm thinking it too. Yeah, but we're a mess. I mean, it's just like a colossal train wreck, isn't it? Like, and we'll get there when we get to Genesis 3, right? We understand everything fell apart when sin entered the world. When we chose to rebel against God, nothing was left untouched. And yet we need to talk a little bit about it even now. Because we are broken you are broken. And so, for example, we allow cultural stereotypes to, term, to determine what it means to be male and female, don't we? When the Bible just doesn't go there. And so some of us, for example, we think that men have to be domineering and women have to be passive or, or something like that. Or, or our, our culture just says we're, we're all the same and we, we, drink, we drink that Kool-Aid. Like too many of us in too many churches have allowed cultural stereotypes in either direction to dictate our understanding of Scripture Yes, we're the same. Yes, we're different. Distinct. But please don't allow one particular culture to determine how you understand your gender. The Bible gives all kinds of freedom for how we express it. Some of us just need to repent of our stereotypes. Some of us need to repent of the ways we've oppressed, abused, and objectified women. Or look the other way at injustice. And sure, there are ways that women blow it here, like, fine, but who are we kidding? Men, right? We need to repent. Objectifying women? Lust? Pornography? I mean, that, that, it's dehumanizing. 
And it, it will affect every relationship you have with a, with a woman, even with your daughter, your wife. Like you're training your brain to dehumanize half the population when you do that. Or abuse. Abusing your wife or others emotionally, physically, sexually. And man, if you, if you hide your abuse beneath a veneer of, well, you're supposed to submit to me, right? I'm the head of the house. God help you. That, that's, it's deplorable. To, to, use, to use your faith as a, as a power play against your spouse or if you allow women to be at work, to be degraded, paid less, or the butt of jokes you would never even think about making about a man, it's not okay. And we should be ashamed. Women, I'm sorry. And there, there are times when Christians, pastors, the church are part of the problem. It's not okay, and I'm sorry. And if you feel trapped in an unsafe situation, please talk to a pastor or one of our awesome women on our staff. If you feel more comfortable, you can reach out to the folks at Gateway of Hope. It's an organization here in Olathe that specializes in caring for mistreated women. You're not alone in this. And if you are an abuser, you need help too to us. God is not done with you. And the church has, we've, we have got to be at the front of repentance, transparency, and justice. And also love. Because if you're, if you're here this morning and you feel confused about your gender, we really want to help. And we, we want to love you. I mean, there's just, there's so little right now that we know about gender dysphoria. Um, those who feel unsure whether they should be male or female, right, or, or identify as transgender. And while God made us male and female on purpose, I mean, those aren't social constructs as we've seen in the text, right? We also know our world is broken and so are our bodies. And so before we, we run to sweeping dogmatic judgment, Church, can we please just imagine for a moment what it must be like to be in that person's shoes? To be so confused about something so intimate in your life? On our, uh, on our recent road trip um, over spring break, we spent a night in Kentucky, of all places. Not on purpose, but you know, it was on the way. Um, and... Uh, and we got there late at night, and the person uh, checking us into our hotel uh, was clearly wrestling with their identity as male and female um, in Kentucky, right? <laughs> and as we, ch- as we checked in, you know, I just, honestly, I just ached for him or her. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dad. I thought about, okay, this could be some interesting conversations later um, with my kids, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel disgust. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel afraid or judgment. I just felt sad. Because listen, I, I don't have my masculinity figured out. 
I don't think I've ever met a man who would say, yeah, I've, I know what it means to be a man. Maybe, maybe not to, to that extreme, right? It's hard enough to be human. It's hard enough to be male and female, right? But to, to rest, to not know where you fit in this world, like it's, it's, it's devastating. Yes, it matters. But we should lead with tears, not tempers. God gave you your body on purpose. It's not a social construct, but let me just, if you're struggling with this, let's talk. We want you here because Jesus loves you and we may not agree on everything. Of course, you know, it's not going to, of course not. And yet we want to love you like Jesus loves you and that is body and soul. Every part of you. No matter how, how you express it, we want to love you well here. There's a lot more that can be said, as you can imagine, on a subject like this. If you want to study more or do some reading on any of this, I'd highly recommend the work of biblical scholar Preston Sprinkle and the Center for uh, Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. You could look him up. It's really, really helpful. The reality is every one of us is broken, and not, not just on the inside, even our bodies. Our sexuality is broken, our psyches. Like, there is no part of you that hasn't been touched by the fall. But thank God we are also being redeemed. And there is no part of you, if you're with Jesus, that will not be touched by his redemption. Male and female, body and soul. And so this, this week, every time you wake up, thank God for your body. It's not a mistake. Thank, thank God for the unique ways he made you, even if you're not always sure if you like it. And the unique ways he's made the people around you. And also this week, grieve the brokenness inside you and in us all. But most importantly, look to the one who will redeem your body and all that you are. Because you know to do that, right? God had to become one of us. Like, that's the only way. Like, we're so broken, you and I. We're, sin has got such a hold of us. The only way that he could rescue us is for him to come to this earth, the one that he made, to, to enter a body like ours, to become really, truly a human. And church, our God has a body. It's kind of weird, right? But with that body, he was abused and mistreated. He knows what it's like, if that describes you. With that body, he learned the shame of my sin, not, not his own sin, mine. So he knows what that feels like. For he took my sin upon himself and bore the wounds in his body that belonged to me. And after such horrendous physical torture, his lungs emptied, his heart stopped, his brain ceased. church. Never get tired of this. The grave could not hold him. Do you believe that? Death, death had no power over him. And it wasn't, it wasn't as a ghost that Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't simply in the hearts of all of his disciples, right? Kind of in a, in a weird sort of, I don't know, squishy sort of way, right? No, it was with his body. 
His real body, physical. And Jesus still has one. He still has his body. And one day, one day because of his sacrifice for us, not based on anything I've done, right? Because I couldn't possibly be good enough, but simply out of his grace for me, I will also come out of my grave just like he did with a body. I mean, you know that, right? Like, in the new creation, you will have a body. We don't become ghosts when we die, floating around on clouds with harps. Like, that's, that's not true. That's all fiction. That's far side, okay? That's not, that's not a scripture. You will have a body like the one you have right now, only better, somehow indestructible, imperishable. And with my resurrected body finally made whole, I will place my real fingers on the scars on his real hands. I will feel my wounds on his body. And he will wipe the tears from my eyes. And friend, that is what he wants for you. All your pain and shame, all your confusion and doubt, the baggage that you carried in here with you, he died for you. And right now he sees you. And not just, not just your insides. I mean, of course, he sees everything. Right? There's nothing you can hide from him, but he sees your body. And he looks at you. He says, I love you. I made you. I did a good job making you. From the, from the top of your head to the tips of your toes, you are mine and you're beautiful. You are not a mistake. And so church, look to Jesus. Look at his body. His body broken for you. Amen. What good news it is that God has made us as embodied creatures. And what even better news it is that God in the form of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, took upon our sins in his body being nailed to the tree that we might not endure and bear the consequence ever again. This is good news, brothers and sisters. And, and, and I, no doubt, something about this morning, I'm sure, resonated with you. Um, and we want to provide just space and opportunity to, for you to, to chat. If, if we can be of a resource, a listening ear, a helpful voice, uh, we want to be available for you. So and I know Nathan's going to be up here at the front. I'll be, I'll be in the back of the worship center. So if we can meet with you, pray with you, uh, to talk about what you heard this morning or even what it means to know Jesus and the fullness of the gospel that he provides, we want to provide that space for you. So please do come find us and chat with us. Um, but but as, as be, before we kind of head out from here, uh, I wanted to just share uh, some, some exciting news, some good news with you all before we, we leave this place. Um, if, if you know that we've been in this process as a church of trying to find uh, permanent homes for our Shawnee in downtown campus, and it is exciting to, to tell you that officially as of last week, we now are proud owners of 208 West 19th Street uh, for our downtown campus. I think we have a picture of it. So that's ours. That is ours. And so um, there's still a lot of work to be done to make it church ready, but it's really exciting. And so if you are in the downtown area, please go find that building. Uh, you can't walk in and say, like, I own this place. So just wait until we're ready for church services. But, um, but one other great exciting thing through some negotiations during the due diligence period, we were able to uh, get $100,000 less on the price, so, which was great. So really exciting there. Um, as far as our Shawnee campus, um, that we're still in the due diligence process. We hope to, to close in a couple weeks, and so there'll be more information on that. 
But one thing that's just, again, just great news to celebrate, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, so we moved into this space just over a year ago, uh, and so this building had a price tag of about $7 million, um, and what's amazing is that as of December, we had a debt of about 1.3, the difference of 1.3, which is remarkable knowing what this building costs, and so we're so thankful to God and for the generosity of our congregation uh, but on top of that, uh, through the amazing generosity across all five of our campuses, uh, we've able, been able to actually put another million dollars towards all of these projects uh, to reduce our total debt, which is just, just incredible. And so it is really exciting. We wanted to celebrate that with you all, to thank God for, but also to recognize the generosity of not just the Olathe campus, but all of Christ's community. And so this is a beautiful thing that we get to do together. And so, so with that being said... Um, if you haven't uh, fulfilled your Reach KC commitments from the previous uh, years, we encourage you to do that. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'd encourage you to, to visit our website and check out information about Reach KC, which is our initiatives in providing the resources for these buildings as we continue the mission forward of multiplying churches and disciples and leaders for the glory of Christ and the good of all. Um, and so, so we do want, we want to make sure that we move into these spaces with as little debt as possible. So if you would like to give towards these buildings above and beyond what you normally give, we encourage you to do that. And so there's information on our website or the monthly update we'd love to share with you. But if you have questions, we'd love to chat with you as well. Uh, but then the last thing, and, and related to all of this, uh, you know that our church, Christ Community, we turned 30 this year, which is exciting, and we want to invite you all to our uh, event called Stories of Bold Faith. Uh, we're hosting one, there's two events, one at our Brookside campus and one here. On Thursday, April 25th, we'll host this event here with our Shawnee and Leewood campuses uh, to really look back and share stories of how God has been at work throughout our history as a church and looking ahead to see where God is taking us. And so there'll be some fun games, some delicious desserts, uh, some embarrassing pictures of myself and other pastors for sure, uh, but we encourage you to come and celebrate as we see what God has done and where he's taking us. Uh, there's limited child care, but we encourage you to re register and join us for this night of celebration. So there's a lot more we could share, but we just wanted to share the, this good news and celebration. So... With that said, I invite you to stand uh, for our benediction, our good word for the road, as we leave this place in light of the truth that our God became human to become like us, that we might become like him. And so hear these words from the book of Hebrews. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may re receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go in peace. Have a great week.